0: Stir your soul up a bit this is the perfectly imperfect podcast with regina and christine where we share our stories as women openly and honestly
1: we believe it's through our journeys our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters because we're all perfectly imperfect
0: hi everyone and welcome back to perfectly imperfect i'm regina and i'm christine Uh, today is a very sad day. Christina and I actually just spent the past hour talking about what we're about to intro just because it's had such a significant impact on our lives. And, you know, as you guys know, sometimes we record ahead of time. So what just happened for us um, this past weekend is that Kobe Bryant passed away due to a helicopter crash. And Christina and I were actually together at the time that it happened and like Jack, ran over to us and was like, hey, Kobe Bryant just died. And I was in absolute disbelief. I do not say this lightly where I don't, think that a celebrity death has ever affected me as much as Kobe's death has affected me. You know, I have so many memories of him growing up. And I mean, I'm not the most like die hard basketball fan, but he just definitely had a way of getting me and my parents together to watch a game. Family members, like my birthday was always around the championship games. So I remember like we'd always have like a barbecue and then all the guys would like run inside just to catch the rest of the game and stuff like that. And he was definitely always at the forefront of that. And, you know, Christine and I were kind of delving into his history just because we have a lot of close guy friends who are just also very personally affected by his death as well. And, and just kind of reviewing his life overall as yes, this legend and this legacy, but also as a flawed human being overall, but through his perseverance and just love for the game and, I mean, I don't think anybody can really say anything bad about his work ethic. The man was determined. He was strict about his like rules that he needed to follow and everything. And I think that that's definitely something that's extremely admirable. And even his like projects in his later years, as you know, he finished a basketball. Christine and I were talking about how he wrote his own children's story and produced an animated movie. Like these are all things that were. I totally did not expect that the Kobe Bryant would, you know, delve into.
1: Yeah. No, everything that you said, I think it's still just just in a state of shock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, diving in deeper when it comes to like death. And I think in this magnitude where so many people of the general public are affected by mm-hmm. his death as well as his daughter's death, Gigi, that yeah. it's like there's such an emphasis on... Kobe did such superhuman things. And he's just someone that I think in the background that a lot of people admired and respected. And then to have him just be taken away so suddenly... It's just like, wow, death is the ultimate equalizer, you know, mm-hmm. and that he's gone. And I think that's the thing where all it, I'm not like a basketball fan myself. I grew up with my brother and other SoCal guy friends being such hardcore Laker fans. So I'm familiar with that environment. I'm familiar with the fandom. I'm also familiar with during the period of time of like, you know, Kobe and Shaq and all those three-peats and all of that, how much Kobe really meant to LA. Mm -hmm. As someone who's watching from the peripheral, it really just breaks my heart to see someone who just, if you watch the interviews that he gave, it really was just like, just do your best, you know, find Mm -hmm. what you love and just just do that wholeheartedly. And Mm -hmm. it's just so admirable that he instill that in his daughters without having to be so blatant or preachy about it other people really just like watched him as an example and i think that bled subconsciously into so many people's lives and i think also my own it may not be as deeply as affected as like say my brother or jack but being alive when kobe was alive you know you cannot not be influenced by this man's just like determination determination honestly and yeah regina and i were just saying that there's definitely things in his past that like it just makes him more human you know he's gone through things he's grown he's evolved he's made lots of big mistakes Mm
0: -hmm. but and very publicly too yeah but i think that there is something just very unique about him and Just, I don't know. I think that especially now that all the news outlets are really capitalizing on this, unfortunately, but there's a lot of stories, like really wholesome, like, Nice stories coming out about him and his daughter and their relationship together. And but when he was retiring from basketball, I think he was done. I think he was kind of like, Yeah, I've had my time with this, and you know, I love the game, but it's time to move on. But it was really his daughter, Gigi, who like brought that love for basketball back to him. And just to see their relationship together, to see the black mamba only have four daughters, but be so so proud of being a father of four daughters, like I think that that. It just makes me so sad to think about, like, honestly, it's it's been a weird, weird, you know, two days in L.A. And I think that um, everybody can still feel that impact of him being gone.
1: Yeah, I really do think looking at it from another perspective that a lot of people either today or yesterday or in the coming days from this huge tragedy (laughs) be doing a lot of things that they've been putting off you know whether that's telling like people that they love how much they mean to them or actually Mm -hmm. going for the very like the daydream thing or I don't know just things especially you know since it's still for us like a beginning of 2020 and I think yeah there was just such light and hope for 2020 because mm-hmm. you know the past couple I years know. have been kind of like I think at the beginning of every year for the past couple years everyone's <gasps> be like oh my gosh but 2020 seemed to be maybe because of the significance of the number and a yeah. new decade and then you know begin of light <laughs> and then this happens but I think if anything it's it really is just the striking reminder to to give us that extra push to like just You know, don't take anything for granted. Like, the thing Mm -hmm. that kills me, the thing that kills me is that Kobe had plans. You know what I mean? Like, the Mm -hmm. night before, he was planning to go to this game. For us, like, I was thinking about what was I doing the night before, you know? And I was, like, going to Trader Joe's to pick up some stuff. Totally unaware that the next day that all of this was going to blow up, you know, and change so many lives and just be so devastating. Like, you're just so unaware of those things. And you just pass through life just being kind of there kind of not going through the motions you know but then like that could be someone's last day mm-hmm. that's where it's like if you really take that in that every day is impactful not to say that every day you have to be doing something like crazy you know what I mean but like just appreciating it
0: yeah and telling the people that you love that you love them and i think you know has like cliche as it is to say but life is very short and i think that we need to take advantage of the opportunities that we get by just being alive and really learning to appreciate those moments and spending time with the people that we love and really just making the most of it, you know, whenever we can. Yeah.
1: And really something else that has really stuck with me since all this is saying that, you know, getting old is a privilege, not a given. Yeah. And really when you think of someone like Kobe who was just yeah. so healthy and mm. like had still so much more to accomplish and really worked hard to like amass a good fortune and so many things that he wasn't guaranteed of. Uh, long life you know
0: oh, and we put man. so
1: much emphasis on like oh I gotta stay young gotta like you know not get old and like anytime anyone's like oh it's my birthday oh my god like oh I'm getting I so don't old. Get like, old like it's a bad yeah. thing oh. it's like mm-hmm. no it's such
0: a privilege and it's definitely not guaranteed so it really really is oh yeah. gosh but yeah we just wanted to take a moment growing up as LA kids like he just had a very very significant impact on us and Yesterday was a very, very somber day in LA for everyone. I feel like it still is. It still is. It still is. It was such an odd day yesterday. And I drove past like Staples Center in the afternoon and saw the words in loving memory of Kobe Bryant. Like it it just felt like a glitch in like our universe. I was like, how is this real? Like, how is this actually happening I was telling Regina yesterday, I was like, it feels like one
1: of those like crazy dreams you you tell your friends, you're like, oh my God, the craziest dream. Yeah. Kobe passed away, you know? Yeah. You're like, oh my
0: God, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we just
1: want to say for me and Regina that we send our love and sympathies and condolences to, you know, everyone who is trying to heal from this and dealing with this and has affected Mm -hmm. you. Please don't be afraid to share your feelings. It's okay to feel what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and take care of yourself out there. Yeah. And on that note, we didn't plan for this, but (laughs) today's topic is about a mental health update, Mm -hmm. specifically regarding my mental health around depression And also how to help someone in your life with depression. Because I've gotten that question so many times since we released our first episode when we first shared about me going through depression and Regina going through ADHD. The questions were, how can I be there for, you know, my friend, my sister, my brother, my significant other when they're suffering through depression or like mental illness or going through mental health issues? And that's what we wanted to talk about today. It's a journey. All of this is what I'm realizing. It's a journey. As much as I would like to be like, hey, guys, completely 100% cured from depression. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. So we wanted Mm -hmm. to give a little bit more insight, but also want to refer you back to the first episode we did about mental health specifically sharing our mental health and opening it up for the first time and it's episode number 12 called the shameful secret and that really is coming at a time where i was coming out of it and it was a really raw really real and you know just want to give you guys like a warning for people who may be dealing with that and like if it triggers in any way i would just give you that heads up first I mean, I'm going to be going into that today, too. So again, don't take it lightly and prioritize like taking care of yourself. So if you know this stuff is triggering for you, my suggestion is maybe just proceed with caution. Mm -hmm, (laughs) So mm -hmm. I wanted to give you guys a quick rundown for people that may not have listened to that first episode about mental health and give you a background with my journey with depression I fell into a deep depression for, I would say, maybe two to three years. But when I really think about it, maybe even longer. So when I first really started to feel signs of it, at least be aware that something was a little off, was 2016. When I really think about it, I was feeling that even years before that. I just didn't know what it was. But at that time, I was a functional, depressed person. Like I was going through the motions. I could get up. I was working at Wang Fu at the time and I knew how to put on a happy face but internally, I was stuffing all my feelings and having bouts of like really big bursts of emotions, but feeling that that was wrong and trying to keep it professional. Even amongst my personal life, it was just like, just get through the day, you know, like, don't be weak. And that was my mentality. And again, this is during a time where I think mental health wasn't as talked about as now. Of course, there were people talking about it. But for me personally, never growing up in a family household, or even amongst my friends talking about mental health, I never even thought twice about it. So at the time, I just was super stressed out, hyper stressed out for most of my day-to-day life, coming with work, coming with family relationships, even with my relationship with Jack. I was suffering through physical health stuff, like hyperthyroidism. I was burnt out. I was overworked. I was overwhelmed. I had imposter syndrome. I was misaligned with a lot of things. And it's just all these things stacked up. It makes sense looking back on it. But at the time, I just thought like, yeah, just get through it. It's fine. So I left Wong Fu 2016. And I think when I dropped all of that... I just fell, I just fell into this dark hole because there was nothing to put on a happy face for, you know, there was nothing that I had on a day to day feel like, oh, this is what I just, you know, push it aside. So I really not knowingly how to face it. And, you know, I would just go through times where the things that I felt was like really isolated. I felt alone. I literally shut all my blinds through the curtains and stayed in bed the entire day and things like making myself food or normal things like making a phone call to someone would feel like such a battle, like such a hurdle. I can't even describe it. I think that's something where until you experience it from the outside, it's just like, dude, it's not that hard, man. Just get up. No, my mind was like, what is the point? What's even going to come out of this? It's just feeling like a really deep hole of hopelessness where you're in a well and you know, no matter how hard you jump, how hard you try, you can't get out of the well. You get to that point where you're just like, screw it. I'm just going to die here in this hole. Mm -hmm. And I would cry in the tub for hours and hours, but I would not cry in front of other people. And it was just immense, deep sadness. I lost interest in everything. And those were like the main symptoms. And I was really, really hazy. One of the things that really stuck out to me was that I could not articulate my thoughts. It was like this big fog, You know, and a lot of times, even while Regina and I were recording or even just talking to someone, I'll be like, I don't know what I'm saying. Actually, I don't know. And it wasn't until I went to the doctor, actually forced to go to the doctor because my hyperthyroidism was so bad that I was in a thyroid storm that my primary doctor started to ask a lot of questions. One of the things that does link to depression, too, is dealing anything with your hormones. So with a thyroid gland, which is what produces the hormones, it can deeply affect if you are in depression or not. So you started to ask me a lot of questions, like how long I've been feeling this way and like what my day-to-day was like and all of that. And then we decided the best course of action was to take antidepressants, which really helped for me personally. I know there are a lot of people that have their own experience and opinions about antidepressants, but I can only speak upon mine and he gave me the lowest dosage so for me i didn't really experience any side effects going on it or going off it i know now from this point of view that the better course of action and what i would recommend is to get diagnosed by a psychiatrist who is trained in this field to be able to diagnose properly not to say that your primary doctor can and to be honest at the time i wasn't working so I know those are just excuses, but I just didn't feel like I could afford a therapist at the time. To be honest, I didn't know what all of this depression or mental health stuff was until I was going through it with my doctor. But I understand that now you should talk to a therapist or talk to a psychiatrist who can like properly diagnose you. But if you have limited mm-hmm. options, talk to a doctor. Talk to your primary doctor. And then, how I got out of it was the antidepressants really helped stop the spiraling. It helped unfog my everydayness and Jack Jack was extremely vital to my recovery. He never judged me. he was super patient and helped me with all the very simple things of just like surviving you know like oh he 'll make me food he 'll make sure that like i 'm drinking water, doing things you know, and then talking about it. So talking about it with Regina, talking about it with my friends and opening it up with my family. And even with you guys and on my Instagram, I really think that the more I opened up about it, the more that it was like a release. It was therapy for me. Not that I was trying to preach to anyone or I was trying to be an expert in any way, but it was just like, oh, the more that I shared, the more people that actually shared their story with me. And it was like, I really felt less alone. And that gave me more Mm. and more of a sense of purpose where, you know, you can see how, that has truly affected what I do now for a living, which is a life coach, which directly deals with mental health. So
0: yeah, that I said that was a quick breakdown, but it was not that quick. (laughs) I mean, I think that hearing it from your perspective is always very interesting for me because I was the friend in this scenario, you know, and I think that Personally, I feel like I've dealt with bouts of depression and I think the majority of humans have as well. But I think to like really have it classify as depression, it used to be six months. Now I believe it's like two weeks of, you know, that lack of interest, that kind of inability to uh, really carry on what are seemingly very like simple tasks. And so I don't think I've ever actually been in depression, but I've definitely had like depressive like about? Well, there's also a difference between feeling sad and being depressed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The
1: main difference is like the time frame in which you
0: said like everyone experiences sadness. Exactly, exactly. And it's a very complex emotion because it can look differently to everyone, where yeah. some people can be sad and still push through it, and some people can be sad and not be able to. I've talked to a couple of friends who I think that have also gone into like shorter stints of depression. And as a friend, I think that was really hard for me to hear, especially like kind of going through our friendship as well. It almost felt like, oh my God, how did I not see that? How was I not aware? And it also made me feel almost like a sense of guilt, like I should have paid attention to the signs earlier. And I think that it's also interesting to hear because when you're talking about like, you know, you're trying to work through this phase of fog and not really knowing how to come out of it, it doesn't seem that way as a friend. Because Mm. when I'm hearing you talk, I don't see that fog or that haze that you feel. To me, I'm like, oh, wow, she's going through stuff, but she's still working through it and she's able to like talk and communicate about it. Even though to you, you may feel like, oh my God, I wasn't even completely coherent about what I was saying. Mm. So it's really interesting to hear it from your perspective versus like how I perceived it because like, I think that there were times too where I'd be like, oh, I think Christine's getting better because she seems like she's opening up more and she's like talking to me more and like engaging with me more. But then I feel like every once in a while, you would just be like, hey, I can't do this. Right now, you know, and I think as a friend, we're kind of always like trained to be like, oh, you got to be there for your friends. You got to be there like whenever they need you, like then and there, 3 a.m. call me if you need me, you know, kind of like mentality. Mm -hmm. But I think that the thing when you're dealing with a friend with depression is that you don't know when is the right time to step in, when is the right time when they're like open to accepting, like, oh, hey, yeah, let's talk about this, or if they're just like, I can't today you know? And I think that I've heard a lot of instances too, in which friends will be like, my friend is super depressed and I try to help and they reject me. And, you know, whenever I ignore them, they get upset at me. And, you know, what is that like happy balance between like being there for your friend Mm -hmm. who's kind of really going through a rough patch while also respecting their boundaries and like also giving them personal space, but not too much personal space so that they fall deeper in depression and they feel like no one cares. Mm -hmm. I think that finding that balance is extremely difficult.
1: Yeah. No, everything that you said is exactly why depression looks different on every person and Mm -hmm. is something that there's no one go-to answer for how to deal with depression and how to see the signs of it, which is why I understand why, you know, for you, you're just like, oh, how did I not see the signs? Like, I was going through it and I didn't know what I was going through, you know? (laughs) Like, to be real, you know, you hear so many accounts of well-known celebrities, Robin Williams, oh my Kate gosh, Spade, yeah. Anthony mm-hmm. Bourdain, yeah. they on the outside seem fine, right? But mm-hmm. internally, mm-hmm. was a whole different story. That's what I mean where it's like, from the outside, it looks like you're okay. And even with closest friends, even with your closest family members, you may not be able to tell. Because I will tell you, for someone who has been through depression, it's the last thing that you want is to burden other people with your shit. Yeah, Because you already feel guilty for like feeling weak during this time. You know, you're like, why am I not getting through this? Mm-hmm. Why is this still a thing? Why can't I just be stronger? Why can't I just articulate things better? Like all the times that you were saying that, oh, it seems like Christine, like, yeah, she's sharing. She seems open about it and stuff. I will tell you after that, I would either break down or let's say after we recorded, you saw the times I got super frustrated at myself. Mm-hmm. In my head, it was a different dialogue it was like this is right. just another example why you're worthless this is another example why you're not good enough and I think that is what keeps spiraling of like you're never gonna get out of this because this is just who you are mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. my experience in the context of I think for me depression really highlighted a lot of my insecurities in ways that I did not expect Yeah. harping on myself it's like the most negative self-critical talk that you know we all go through but Every single moment. And I can see Mm -hmm. why I just wanted to just hide because A, I was embarrassed and I didn't have the answers. I didn't know how I could get the answers, either for myself or to explain it to other people. And I didn't know when I would come out of it. So to me, it was like, I'd rather just not deal with it and just sleep it off. And that Mm -hmm. is what keeps spiraling. Mm -hmm. Not to say that that's not a way to deal with it, like getting rest. You know, like going through traumatic yeah. experiences, it's fine, it's okay. And, but it really yeah. is to practice self-kindness if you can.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like in this past year, I definitely had a lot of days too where I just felt very like hopeless. Mm-hmm. And I do think. When you're dealing with mental health, it is that like emphasis on all your insecurities and none of your strengths. And it's that spiral. And I have definitely had, I think, like more experience with that in that last year than I ever have in my life just from moving back, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and things like that. But I think that when you're going through it by yourself and you don't have someone like a Jack or like for me, like my mom, who like literally wouldn't let me stay in bed all day. (laughs) She would be like, no, 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 you're wasting your life away. You need to go downstairs. And like that push, I think that it's really, really amazing to have like a support system of just someone who like loves you and like deeply cares for you, who wants the best for you and to really help guide you through this time. Because I think that sometimes what I've noticed too is like it doesn't even matter what you say. Because whether you say good things or bad things, like the person who's kind of going through the depression already has an idea in their head of like how things are going to go. And so, you know, even when you try to be very positive, and I I know that I've seen this in like a couple of articles too, where it's like, you know, a lot of people who are going through that depressive state don't want to hear like, oh, you know, try to look on the bright side or, you know, just get over it. That's not very like helpful language um, when you're dealing with someone who's going through such a difficult time in their life.
1: Yeah. And then that's, the second part of what we wanted to get into in this episode of understanding depression more, but from like a friend's or family member's perspective. To kind of give more context in like the update since going through depression, is that I stopped taking antidepressants maybe, I think, over a year, a year and a half ago. So how long were you on antidepressants? I would say a good year. Okay. Yeah. So I started going on antidepressants 2017 because I was diagnosed Mm. 2017. So for 2017 and then talking about it with my doctor and having a plan about it, He really is a doctor that cares. Not to say that doctors don't care. Yeah, but (laughs) he really was like, okay, I want to be cautious about this. I really want to, like, have the best course of action. And then, like, we'll make a plan. It's adjustable and all these things. So he wanted to do it for, like, six months and see how I felt. And long enough for if the drug would take effect. But short enough that it's not something that I become reliant on. Or if it doesn't sit well. Like, we have time to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. So six months turned into a year. But I talked about it with him every single time. And then after that, like I said, the antidepressants really helped the spiraling. And with stopping the spiral gave me that, I guess, energy and increased motivation to do things that I had lost interest in. So the very symptoms that I had been experiencing in deep depression slowly started to subside because of the negative talk. As much as it was still there, I could find the energy to make a phone call, you know, and Mm -hmm. to like make food and all these things, which started to build on itself. And my circumstances really started to change because my mentality started to change.
0: And how did that timeline correlate with you starting your life coaching program?
1: So during that time period, I was on antidepressants. I started to work with our good friend Mimi, who designs our PIP logo. And I think through that, working with Mimi and that slowly started to like pick up on my productivity and kind of change my mentality and lifestyle. But I still felt it wasn't quite right. And to be honest, during the middle of that, I almost fell into a depression again because there was a trigger that happened. And I was really cautious during that period. And very aware of how deep I could spiral through that I really was just like, you know what, I need therapy, I need something, you know, additional to prevent myself from relapsing. And through that, I found life coaching, I was researching therapy and life coaching. And then I also in the midst of my decision of choosing life coaching was because of my core desire to learn a new skill, I think that that would like at the time was like, I want something that I can build a skill on because I was still looking for what I wanted to really do in life and also learn how to be a better listener and get some answers that way. So I found a program that teaches you how to be a life coach. For me, really, at the beginning, it was like I just want to learn how to listen and to develop some skills. And through that, through getting life coached in the life coaching program, because we have to do many, many hours of getting life coached that helped me work through so much stuff, really, it really did. And I've taken a lot of those tools that I've learned and implemented in my own life. I know it works because it works for me, you know, and these tools are basically my get out of depression card in a way, because this is where I wanted to talk about what I've learned through my depression and where I am now to how to prevent relapse, because once you are depressed, it's really easy to fall into a relapse. First thing I would say is understanding your triggers and how deep you can spiral. So that's getting to know yourself better. And I think for me, like triggers, which stuff like, you know, Kobe, like Kobe's death is something that can be very triggering for a lot of people because they themselves have been through a very traumatic experience of a close one passing away. But the difference is, yes, everyone has triggers. But with depression or any mental illness is understanding how deep you can spiral, how deep that hole gets for you. And then also in the process of knowing myself better, it's like being able to read the signs that my mind and body give me. And for me personally, extreme fatigue is a big sign of mine. So anytime I start feeling stressed or really tired or getting to a point where, you know, I'm just like overwhelmed, now I stop and first ask myself, what is the story I'm telling myself around this situation? I check for any self-hate talk. That really helps and overthinking and becoming obsessive about something, which is what happened with me with depression. I just could not get over a lot of stuff. And I talk to somebody most of the time is Jack. <laughs> a lot of times it's my brother, I've talked to Regina about stuff, just get it out, you know, whatever, just work through it. And then I listen and I rest. I don't push myself like I used to before. I know now that I don't need to prove my worth to anyone or myself you know, and another thing that really helps is that I stay grounded in my intentions as a person. So every time I'm feeling stressed, or feeling triggered, I remind myself that I am inherently a good person, I want to do good, I believe in other people, my intentions are pure and genuine, I don't want others to feel alone, I display honesty, vulnerability, compassion and empathy, those are just qualities to me, like I don't have to do that to prove it to anyone. And I know that in myself, that's something I can always fall back on as my truth. And that helps ground me versus like, oh my God, the self-negative talk of like, you suck. You're stupid. You're worthless. Yeah. So I don't know, like for you, Regina, mm-hmm. in terms of like what you were sharing about you dealing with your own mental health this past year, like mm-hmm. how you stay grounded when you feel triggered or stressed or overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, what I realized is that as much as I, you know, love to be a hermit and stay in, I am a very extroverted person and I like feed off of energies of other people, And I think that the more that I isolated myself, the more that I would get in my head about things, kind of like what you were saying, when you're just alone and you can only see the bad, like you just really can't see the light through the thickness of the fog. And so I think for me, it was really about surrounding myself with my friends. I think that, you know, we'll get more into this in a future episode, but like, I think that like my ADHD really kicked up in high gear in 2019. Mm -hmm. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of it is because I let it. I didn't set a schedule for myself. I kind of gave myself like free reign. I was like, oh, well, you know, there are all these things I want to do, but I can do them later, you know, and then fall down like a spiral of just watching YouTube videos all day or just not really doing anything productive because I didn't have that motivation. And then as I continued to let that persist, the more behind I got with my projects, the more behind I felt like I got in with life, my career, my family aspirations, my relationships and stuff like that. And I think that I would just like constantly distract myself. Like Mm -hmm. I would make plans with my friends because that always made me happy. And not to say that like those friendships are a waste of time or anything like that. No, but it was definitely a distraction from like what I was truly dealing with. Like I would rather go and, you know, do Pilates and go to brunch with my friends rather than like really face the cruel realities of what essentially like doing to my life and so i think that being aware of that and then i think towards the end of the year it started to get better because i started to realize like this isn't me like i am not the type of person who wants to just stay in and like let her life like just pass her by like that was never the type of person that i wanted to be and i saw myself becoming that person and that like really really greatly like frustrated me and made me upset and Made me feel a lot of like guilt, kind of having the privilege of being able to like live at home and not have to worry about like finances for a little bit. I think that that guilt and that anger and resentment for myself like really, really like built. Mm -hmm. But I think that when I kind of was able to start seeing the bigger picture of things, and even now, like I think one of the reasons why Kobe's death like affected me so much is because he truly, truly just gave himself to the game and completely poured his heart and soul into it. And, you know, he talks about like 3am wake up times to go in and practice and stuff like that. And I realized how disciplined he was. Mm -hmm. And in a way like that made me realize too, like I say a lot of things that I want to do, but I don't actually execute on them. And Mm -hmm. so how was I going to change and go about that? So, I think that last year, towards the end of it, I started opening myself up to more relationships, just in the sense that, like, hey, if, you know, someone reached out and was like, hey, would love to grab coffee sometime, instead of being like, yeah, 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 that's great. And like, not actually having that happen. I was like, no, if someone reaches out and says that, like, I'm going to follow through with it. And so, I think towards the end of the year, I met a lot of really great people that were in our friend circle that I hadn't met before, or just like opened myself up to just the possibility of like more friendships because I know that I have like my core Group of people that I can rely on through and through. But I think that I, in a way, I was also like closing myself off to a lot of opportunities and not giving myself that chance to go out and really like connect and do things. So, yeah, I think that for me, it was just a matter of like talking to people and learning from other people and being more open about what I was going through. I think that anybody who had dinner with me or, you know, had more than like 10 minutes to chat with me in 2019 knows that. 2019 was not easy for me and I definitely like went through a hard time, but I think that talking through it and receiving encouragement from other people and ideas from other people, I really feed off of that energy. And so I had to take for account for the fact that like I needed to put in that effort myself in order to help myself. Because there are certain things that even no matter how much the people around you care about you, like there's necessary steps that you need to do for yourself for the sake of like your own like mental health and and sanity really. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much behind it that like see all of that is like happening behind the scenes where Mm -hmm. from an outside perspective, unless you talk about it,
0: people just don't know. Yeah. And like the crazy thing is like – We were recording episodes last year, right? So like you guys heard essentially firsthand from me going through it. If you listen back to earlier seasons when Christine was going through it, like those episodes were recorded while we were going through our shit. But you know, whenever the mic was on, we'd put on a happy face and talk about it. And like, I think that honestly, this podcast has helped so much because we were able to openly share. And like, you know, a lot of you guys might listen to this and be like, wow, you guys really made it through or, you know, you you've got better and all those things. And yes, we have. But at the same time, like we're still going through it. Like there's still things that each of us are grappling with and struggle with on the daily basis. But I think being able to talk about it openly and share that with you guys really helps us get it off our chests. And I think that when you guys send us messages saying like, wow, like I related so much to that, like that helps us more than you guys could ever know because we know what it's like to feel alone and scared and just embarrassed. I think that what you said about using, using that word embarrassed really does accurately represent a lot of the things that I was feeling as well, because we put on a brave face for so long and we want to be that beacon of light that people can go to. But when you're not, you feel like, oh, well then what do I have to offer? And that leads to a lot of like shame, guilt, and yeah, embarrassment.
1: Hey, Christine here. I know we talk so much about advocating for yourself and not being afraid to reach out for support here on Perfectly Imperfect. If you're looking for answers, wanting clarity, wanting to be heard, to be understood, to heal relationships in your life, and to be the best version of yourself, it starts with investing in yourself. This month, we're teaming up with BetterHelp, the world's largest counseling service that's based totally online. You work with licensed, accredited, and professional counselors and therapists to get the counseling you're looking for. And it's accessible, affordable, convenient, so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. I started the journey myself on BetterHelp, and it's like a release. I know by putting in the work that I'll only learn and grow more as a person with the professional guidance of a therapist. There are also so many monthly group counseling seminars on BetterHelp that you can sign up for. Regina and I have both joined in on a few, and they give you even more insight and tools to implement in your own life. So if you've ever thought about therapy, especially during this time, try BetterHelp. You can get 10% off your first month by using our PIP link at betterhelp.com PIP. Again, that's betterhelp.com P-I-P remember it's always okay to feel what you're feeling if you're ready for the next step of knowing what those feelings mean and are trying to tell you give therapy a try we're sending all our love and hugs to you pit fam stay safe yeah and i think a really big part of that is to counter that is to acknowledge your feelings Mm -hmm. It's totally okay to feel what you're feeling. You may feel in the moment like I'm being ridiculous, I'm being really dramatic, I'm being really sensitive. Again, those are all your internal inner critics talking Mm -hmm. and you're feeling things for a reason. That's totally more than okay. And the key to healing from it is first acknowledging that it's there, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then you can figure out why, what is the story behind that feeling? And what is it that you're telling yourself that's making you spiral, overthink, overworry, obsess about it. That's the part. That's the part I found like was the missing link while even in the midst of my heavy depression, but even before then, I think a lot of us are overthinkers. you know you always think like, oh my God, if I start this and I go down this path, what if it doesn't work out? What if I look stupid? What if like you know all this money and time is invested and you never start it in the first place right? It's like you cheat yourself out of all these experiences and opportunities because of just thoughts. yeah and that's the power of thoughts that really is really wanted to go into how, you can help mm-hmm. someone that is in your life that's suffering from depression or in their depression journey. Yeah. Things to keep in mind about your friend who is depressed and depression itself is not personal. I think Regina, she mentioned earlier about how she felt guilty, she felt bad, and also that some people would be like, oh, you know, I try to help and reach out, but then my friend rejected me and blah, blah, blah. It's not personal. It may feel like it. Some people may even blame you for stuff, but understand that it's a projection of that person's state and illness. It's the depression talking. And depression is a serious medical illness. It's just you can't physically see it. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not a medical condition. To give you context as a person who's been through depression is that, like I said, a lot of times we're in a haze. So we may not be fully aware of everything that is coming out. Like we're not thinking clearly in a sense, right? So everything is magnified. So if we're feeling worthless, we feel extremely worthless. I still remember there was was an Asian American event that I went to during my depression. And it was like Identity LA. And I had a booth there. And this is when I left Wang Fu. And our friend Mimi had a booth. And we were like doing this kind of together but separate booths. And I was selling like kitties. (laughs) The kitties actually that we were doing a promo for for our journals recently. And I probably sold like 10 kitties. Right. Afterwards, I was crying so badly to Jack after the event. And I was like, I'm such a failure. Mimi sold so much. People are going to her booth and buying so much. And I was so focused on, wow, I put so much work into these kitties and I'm such a fool. What an idiot. You know, why did I do that? Why did I think that anybody would care or want these things? What the hell was I thinking? And then Jack was like, there was such a long line of people wanting to talk to you. You know, the line never ended. And to be real, I at the time, if I was looking at it, like no one really knew I was selling anything because I was standing in front of my booth. There was no (laughs) real like big signs like how much kitties were. I just had like a table full of these like random cute ass stuff and then like kitties in that. So it made a lot of sense. And these are all things I learned after working with Mimi, how to set up a booth so that it's clear that you're selling stuff and like all these marketing things that I didn't even think of and mm-hmm. I was spending all of my time talking to people but I'm not thinking clearly right so all the things yeah, that was highlighted it is it is so that and that's why I say don't take it personally but I always say the biggest thing that helps that makes the biggest difference is you just reaching out again and again and again yeah I know that it can be hard and I know that can be exhausting I want to preface this by saying first take care of yourself if it's overwhelming for you, if it's stressful for you, don't push yourself. You cannot help someone if you're not feeling good yourself. Mm-hmm. You know that whole like airplane airplane video yeah, thing, with the yeah. Oxygen. You got to put on your own, yeah. You yeah. got to put on your own oxygen mask before you can put it on someone else. So keep that in mind first. But I would say the biggest difference is that you know just reaching out and listening. Mm. I think listening, encouraging them to talk, don't push them. I know this is a really fine line, and actually, like heard something recently where it's like, oh, people who have, oh, actually it's from Brene Brown. She talks about how during her research that people who have been through really traumatic events of losing loved ones, especially like parents who lost their children, Mm -hmm. find that we don't want to bring it up, right? To people who've been through that because you're like, oh, the last thing I want is to bring you down a path. Yeah, Yeah, and all of that. But actually what that signals to them is that if you're unwilling to ask them about it, or if you don't bring it up, then they feel like that wall is up so they can't talk about it. So what they actually want is to share. I'm not saying everyone, but it's like that actually opens the door for that dialogue. Mm. So when you're closed off from it, then that other person's not going to take the initiative a lot of times to be like, oh, by the way, you know, this is how I'm feeling with like,
0: Mm-hmm. dealing with
1: this traumatic experience so keeping in mind that like you're caring for someone who is mentally dealing with a condition so then extending that again and again you know it's like helping someone who may be at the hospital like feeding them food if even if they're like i don't want to eat you still ask them right you're still like no nah, right, do you still want to eat now do, how about this and you offer them different things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i would say just checking in Over and over again and keeping in mind that like I said depressed people oftentimes say no because they don't want to burden you and they feel guilty so letting them know that that's not how you feel and also keeping in mind that you're not to blame nor responsible for fixing your friend or loved one's depression. So I Mm -hmm. think just understanding the extremes or the spectrum of wanting to help someone, like checking in, doing things within what feels comfortable for you, but also understanding that you're not going to be the solution. You know what I mean? You're not going to be like, oh, it's on me. They're going
0: to come out of this depression. Like, it's not your responsibility. I think it's hard to separate that though as the friend in the situation i remember when the kitty kitty scenario went down <laughs> and you were like freaking out about it and i was like no it's okay like you know don't worry about it but like i know that the way that it played out in your mind was completely different than, like the situation that was actually happening. Yeah. And I think in an instance like that, right? Like I was in New York at the time. I didn't know how to provide that support. And I didn't know whether it would be like better to be like, oh yeah, that really sucks. And to kind of sympathize, or if it's like, no, it's okay. Like try to look at the positive. Like I think that it's, it really depends on the person and like what they're going through at the time. But I just remember like what a big significance that event had on you but then you know look at it a few years later and like that was like one of our most successful promos that we had for our journals and people were like dying to get their hands on those kitties and like messaging us and dming us and being like oh my god like are there any left i didn't get a chance to make an order yet and stuff like that and like we sold out of them we sold out of them exactly and so there were a lot of kitties There were a lot lot of kitties. But I think at the end of the day too, what we tell ourselves is not necessarily like that same story that everybody else is like processing. And I think that that's the thing that's hard about um, being the friend in this scenario because I know – From the way that you talked about the scenario, how much it affected you, then it was like from my perspective, I was like, how do I talk her out of this? As a friend, you do feel a sense of responsibility where it's like, no, 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 I have to make their day better. Like I have to make them, you know, see this from a different perspective.
1: But now going through it yourself this past Mm -hmm. year, you also understand on an internal level that no matter what any of your friends said
0: to you, although
1: could be helpful, will never fully pull you out of it. You know, it's a journey by yourself that you actually have to go through. But like you said, it makes a difference when your friends or your loved ones show compassion, patience. I think the whole like, oh, I want you to get better. And the urgency, because obviously it's coming from a place of love Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you don't want to see them feeling that way. Mm -hmm. But it's understanding that it's a process and mm-hmm. to be real, that's where the patience comes in from. The more that you push it actually can make it harder for them. Mm-hmm. Because then they feel yeah. even more guilty. Again, keep those words in mind. Guilty and burden. Yeah. So the more that you push them or they get a sense of that, not in like, like get better, get better, but more of like, see the positive, you know, and like you should look at this or you know, just make that phone call and stuff, it only adds to them closing up more because Mm -hmm. then they feel like oh shoot the next time I talk to them and like talk to my friend who's been like encouraging me to just like make that phone
0: call just do it and all of that Mm -hmm. that I'm gonna
1: be like I didn't do
0: it Mm -hmm. you know and they feel Mm -hmm. guilty about that and I think that too when you're going through it like I feel like you have the tendency to like try to spin it into a positive so that other people will be like oh okay so then you're doing great And like kind of let them continue on with their day so that you know you don't burden them with like your feelings and stuff like that but I do agree with you I think that um, my friends did a really good job of like checking in on me without being like too specific about anything in particular so it always be like how was your day like what did you do today how are you doing and I feel like those check-ins really meant a lot to me yeah
1: yeah and it's not an expectation of like your parents checking on did you do your homework type of thing Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the three things i want to emphasize in how to really be there for your friend or your loved one is one listening like really listening listen just to listen if you can even practice like not saying anything I know that's weird sometimes because you feel like, oh, I have to like have a response or give them my take on it. Like, no, give them the open space to just keep talking or just to share whatever. And Mm -hmm. the second thing is to validate their feelings. Mm -hmm. Even if you feel like, dude, that's not a big issue, I would actually check that for yourself because it may not be a big issue for you, but you're also not the one going through it. So it's a good time to practice empathy and compassion for someone. Mm -hmm. So validate their feelings as in like, it's perfectly normal to feel what you're feeling. It's okay if you're feeling that. It's okay really goes a long way when you're depressed. Honestly, just hearing that, it's okay like, wow, it for me was momentous because I didn't give myself permission that it was okay. Mm-hmm. I was judgmental about everything about myself, you know, not selling the kitties, right? But it's okay. Whether I was feeling really bad about it, that's okay that you're feeling bad you didn't sell the kitties or that you didn't want to talk about it. It's okay. It's okay if you don't want to talk about it. Like that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And the third mm-hmm. one is to really ask questions to understand versus assume or to answer like you know. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference because you really don't know. Like we said, everyone goes through depression differently. So to be like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, I totally understand. they like, oh, here's my advice to you. It's like, that's actually not very helpful. I think giving them the open space and the safe space to just talk about whatever and to keep that energy going by asking questions just to understand. So, you could understand it from their perspective. So, here's some things that, you know, doing some research and also things
0: that us going through it personally wanted to share. We found some like, really great resources and options of like ways that you can start a conversation. And some of them are like, you know, by just saying like, hey, I have been feeling very concerned about you lately. Or recently, I noticed some differences in you and wondered how you were doing. I wanted to check in on you because you seem pretty down lately. I think that these are kind of light ways of you kind of being able to show your concern without being like aggressively like there's something <laughs> wrong with you, you know, <laughs> Just like, hey, you know, I noticed something's a little off today, and I think that that too shows your friend how well you know them. That you can pick up on these traits, and I think that there is a sense of closeness when your friends are able to like predict or kind of just like feel how you're feeling. That really like shows their concerns, and yeah, I think that there's a sense of closeness that that builds. And it like eases it in. Yeah. Creates like kind of that soft
1: little opening that they can feel like, Oh, I can either go into it or I can just be like, Oh, Kind of, yeah,
0: know. and like you know, and I think that it's kind of a play it by ear situation where you can't really plan for it. Like maybe today is the day where they're like, you know what, I'm not ready to talk about this, or I don't want to talk about this, and they can give a very short winded answer, or it can be the day where the floodgates are open, yeah. and it's I a- didn't
1: sell the kiddies <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. And I think the questions that you can kind of ask too to kind of get a better understanding of the situation as a whole is. When did you begin to feel like this? Did something happen that made you start feeling this way? How can I best support you right now? And have you thought about getting help? I think that with each of these questions, obviously feel the kind of mood of the room and know your audience and how receptive they are to these kind of questions. But I think that, you know, even asking like, how can I best support you right now? I know that my friends asked me that a lot. And one of my best friends, she's a planner. She is like, has her whole day plan, has all these methods on how to be productive and how to stay productive. And I think that talking to her, for me, I was always like a to-do list type of person. Like, oh, these are the five things that I needed to do today. And she was the these are the time frames in which I needed to complete these five things. Mm -hmm. And I've always admired that about her. So when she was like, Hey, how can I best support you right now? How can I help you right now? She started teaching me ways of like how to increase my productivity and like how to set a schedule so that I can have deadlines and ask me questions like, what are my goals? And I had a lot of friends who I know have my best interests at heart. So when they asked me questions like, Hey, have you been budgeting? Have you been keeping track of your finances? Like I knew that it came from a place of like concern and like wanting to help me set my get my life on track especially as I was like trying to start off these like businesses with Pip and with my clothing line it was just like a kind of reality check. And I mean, my friends are definitely like family to me. So they were definitely like, Hey, have you thought about this yet in a very like motherly way? But when it really came down to it, like creating spreadsheets and, you know, understanding finances, like they were there to help me. And so I think that having those resources and really tapping into them too, was something that I had to learn to, not even like put my pride aside on but just like utilize them. Like my friends are there to love and care for me in the same way that I do for them. And so having them really like reach out and offer those resources for me to help me succeed just uh, it made my day like infinitely better.
1: Yeah. And those are on the other end may not seem as big of a deal from, like, the friend's perspective, but it makes such a big difference. Even if they don't tell you right away or you may sense, like, hesitancy, but, like, we can tell you first account that it helps dramatically.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, in this sense of your friend being in a very fragile state, but you also wanting to help, Christine and I are going to run through some things that you should avoid saying and things that you can say in place of that. So instead of saying, this is all in your head, You can say, You're not alone. I'm here for you during this tough time. Everyone goes through rough
1: times. You can say instead, It may be hard to believe right now, but the way you're feeling will change.
0: Try to look on the bright side. Please tell me what I can do now to help you. Why do you want to die when you have so much to live for? You're important to me. Your life is important to me. I can't do anything about your situation.
1: Even if I'm not able to understand exactly how you feel, I care about you and want to help. You should be feeling better by now. Instead, you can say, when you want to give up, tell yourself you will hold on for just one more day, hour, or minute. Whatever you can manage. These are all just things that I think sometimes from someone who's never gone through it, You don't mean it that way or you think from a place of a more old-fashioned way of thinking. And I could see how like we would do that because that's how our parents have taught us a lot of times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these are things that are really key tips in understanding mental health more as more and more people share that is truly helpful and things that are really actually really triggering and may make things even worse for that person. So just to keep all of that in mind, and for, you know, people who are out there and struggling with depression, or may feel like you may have symptoms or want more information, we'll definitely link all the resources in our description box, as well as, you know, you're not alone. If anything, even if you're just like, you know, I can't afford a therapist right now, like there are resources out there that are free and open, for you to start the dialogue and start the process of healing or releasing. And one of those is just messaging like us on Perfectly Imperfect. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is understanding that you're not in it alone. You are so loved and supported, even if you don't feel it, even if it's true that like your family or your friends and you don't have a significant other, people aren't around you. There are people that are even strangers that want to help you. Mm -hmm. So we would highly, highly encourage you To start the process for yourself and even start writing it, reach out to somebody. Like we said, a lot of times people
0: don't know until you start sharing. I think overall, taking care of ourselves is a priority. And I think that, you know, the term self care is thrown around a lot lately and it has a lot to do with hair masks and face masks and baths. But I think that, you know, taking care of yourself also means mentally making sure that you're happy and well and taking note of the times that you're not. So, yeah, I think that this has been a very enlightening episode because I think that I've definitely been guilty of being that friend who's like, I don't understand what I can do to help you more. And it's not out of, you know, because I'm trying to be mean or diminish the pain that they're going through, but it's just like the frustration on both ends of being the one who is feeling depressed and feeling hopeless and also like feeling hopeless in like helping your friend getting out of that situation. So I think it's just paying attention to the signs and really focusing on the fact that this is a case by case situation. It's there's not one, you know, cure all kind of strategy, but yeah, just being patient with everyone involved and um, being there for them. And when in doubt, just get some more information. Mm -hmm. The more, you know, (laughs) with
1: a rainbow. (laughs) Yeah, and the star. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if you or a loved one is going through depression, definitely feel free to reach out to us or pass along this episode. I think that we wish that these were resources that we could have growing up and when we were trying to understand like what we were going through, whether it was through ourselves or through a friend. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.
1: Bye. Take care of yourself.